Bible Church, welcome back to the Midweek Podcast. Thanks again for listening to us. I mean, really, uh, we, we owe you a big deal of thanks that you would tune in and listen to us every single week. Uh, Brent, how are you? Good? Uh, I'm wonderful. You know, we're on baby watch right now, so if anybody hears a phone call that happens in the middle of this, that is <laughs> that is definitely me. Uh, it, is, it is good to sit. You know, Stephen, you sit down and you say that. Uh, I do just think about what a privilege this, this has been to be able to sit down with um, with church members and hear their stories and how the Lord's worked in their life. Uh, you know, I know uh, that's not a that's there's so many different things that we can take for for granted, and it's mm-hmm. a reminder. I know we've talked about this before. How for us, in the middle of the week, it's a chance to be able to slow down and realize that God is working in people's lives in so many different ways. They have struggles. They have. Uh, every new season, whether we're sitting down with a uh, you know college age student uh, or even a retired person or couple, uh, everyone's got questions. The Lord, what's it mean to to follow you this week? You know, how's your spirit leading me? Uh, how can I be faithful with the resources you've given me, uh, relationships you've given me, and all those things? And and yet then you hear people's struggles and whether it's health issues beginning to uh, to falter uh, or whatever the the, the opportunities to be grown in. Uh, is and for me and I, I think for both of us, it's so good to be reminded of that on a regular basis. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we are just you know, it's easy in the middle of the week to be focused on a lot of other things. But you know, this past Sunday uh, was such a, a helpful reminder to us to be reminded of what is most important. Um, we got to we got to see uh, little Lily be yeah. baptized, and uh, what a joy that was, and. Lots of tearful eyes, but all mm-hmm. in, in joy, of course, um, for what the Lord has done, and to participate in the Lord's Supper, uh, to learn a new song, mm-hmm. uh, to sit under the Word together was a refreshment to our souls. You know, in uh, in preparing that, and and I'm re- of course we we're able to see Lily's testimony beforehand, but even at the nine o'clock service, even though the baptism was at the ten forty five service after the sermon. It, it is a humbling reminder because there's a part of us, and I've heard that before from people, of a desire to present our hearts as being, you know, I just need a little help. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and yet to hear, a, you know, a young girl's uh, just honest assessment and reality of, I didn't like what was in my heart mm. when I was angry. Uh, yeah. I didn't like what, what was there when I, when I lied. Now, that is a completely honest, from the mouth of babes, true example of what is in us. We simply can get better as, as we get older of uh, looking the other way. Yeah. Uh, that, that kind of calcification of our hearts and the reality of how broken we are uh, is, uh, you know, it is refreshing in that way to hear somebody's testimony. You know, Stephen, I don't know how many people realize that it, uh, when we talk about at the end of the service, you know, now we have uh, ministry leaders that come forward to be able to pray with folks and encourage folks. Uh, and even though everyone can attend our baptism class, we try to offer that once a month or so, uh, you can sit down with uh, any ministry leader at Grace, an elder, ministry leader, and they can help work through uh, our little baptism packet with you, help you assemble your uh, your testimony with you, and find a Sunday that works for baptism. So I know for us, we try to, as we go through service planning, a lot of our people probably don't know, we, we go through that on Tuesday mornings. So it always makes it easier for us, but, but really as long as early in the week we have an idea that somebody wants to be baptized that Sunday, and they've, of course, shared on their, their testimonies, uh, we... we We'll make that happen. Yeah, yeah. There's there's always room, you know, for that. Uh, and um, and man, we've just been so thankful over the past. It seems like over the past few months, we've had uh, so many willing to to want to follow Christ and and that step of obedience. And 
that's been good. You know, my kids are are getting to see that. We sat at, you know, we had family services past Sunday. And yeah. My kids are watching Lily be baptized. They're asking questions and they're seeing how she's taking that step of faith and step of obedience. Um, and uh, they're asking questions and getting to to ask questions about that for themselves and what does that look like for us and um, but then not only that, um, our church is getting to witness that and come alongside them as uh, as witnesses, but also their family and those that are going to hold them accountable and we commit uh, with that right. to 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 walk with them. Yes, you know Sarah has was at home on Sunday with the boys, and as we get closer here, you know. But she was at home, and she's able to explain through the boys. The boys see the baptism again. You know, this is uh, they've they've seen a couple now, two two now online in that way. But it's just it's grasped their attention, and I think that's something that that people don't really realize. Maybe unless you're you're in a position of pastoral ministry, is uh, unbelievers, people that haven't been in a church for a long time, will come to church for three reasons. Uh, they'll come into a church for a funeral, but now because they have visitations. Uh, we know that most people actually will not attend the funeral service. They'll mm-hmm. attend the visitation and not ever have to hear uh, the preaching uh, of of the word and uh, during that person's service. So there's the funeral, there's the marriage. So most people will come to the wedding, but that doesn't guarantee that you've got somebody that's going to preach the gospel there in that context so that mm-hmm. somebody could get away uh, scot-free from hearing the word, possibly, uh, a sound word. But a baptism, a baptism uh, is still in our in our culture, a weighty enough and a significant enough a component that if somebody's going to get baptized and they ask a friend, a fame member, that even if they're unbelievers, uh, hey, I'm getting baptized, I'd like you to come. Most people will come to that. They'll mm. actually come. And that's not the only reason that we've shifted baptism to be at the response portion uh, right after the preaching of the Word, as we've done now. And I, I love it at that point. Heard a lot of great feedback about that. Yeah. Uh, and. But but also it ensures that the people that do come from that that they are able to sit through and 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 hear the whole teaching and then see uh, their family members' response to the gospel message uh, in that baptism. That, that's been a neat kind of adjustment as we're always kind of tweaking our services a little bit. That's been a neat adjustment. I'm I'm glad that we made. Yeah. Well, this Sunday we're going to be continuing through Second Peter chapter two. We started talking about false teachers and uh, we're kind of in that same vein right now, right? We're kind of wrapping up some more of that section. So can you maybe give us a, a hint of of what we're going to be expecting and maybe how we can prepare to, to hear? Yeah, that's great. There's two components that we're going to look at this Sunday of uh, of being rekindled. The Word of God, it, it rekindles our affections for the Lord. Uh, there is an, an act of rekindling that takes place as, as we're going to look at a number of examples that Peter gives in the Old Testament of God's judgment that makes us kind of look and say, what about those that happened a long time ago, horrible things? Mm-hmm. Now, of course, we could even think of our own lives and think of wickedness that we've seen uh, or experienced tragically and think, "What was is justice going to be done there? Well, well, Peter gives us the, the, one of the oldest examples ever of, of wickedness and God's righteousness mm-hmm. demonstrated upon that. So we're comforted there. But also there's a scope. So there's there's past as far back as you can go, but there's also a scope when it looks like the world itself all around is... It's just filled with wickedness. Yeah. Uh, there's a there's a comfort that hey God is righteous, He will make all things right. So there's a comfort in a present sense as well, no matter how broad it is. And, and then as we look through verses six or ten this Sunday, uh, there's a reminder that I think in our hearts because we see wickedness and 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 there's so much that we will never know. We'll also never know how much God has restrained evil. Yeah. So so we'll never know on this side of heaven how much actual wickedness, because people can't be maximally evil, or right? they don't have infinite opportunities to do so. Uh, our bodies are decaying, and that itself is an act of grace, that God didn't allow Adam and Eve to eat of the 
tree of life after they sinned. Uh, but this act of, of uh, the fact that that sin is restrained, but I think in a lot of our hearts, there's a question about, yeah, but what about, you know, what about this thing? Mm-hmm. And and we're settled. This this text this week, as we work through to verse 10, I think helps to settle and minister to our hearts to be able to be reminded, the Lord knows, the Lord knows exactly that thing, and He will make all things right. And so we can entrust ourselves to Him today, that He really will make it right. Uh, that's, a, that's a ministering comfort to the believer. Uh, and it's also for the unbeliever. It's it's a it's not a warning. It is a very sin, a true reality that if they stand before God on their own standing, uh, they will be held accountable. Hmm. But but to all who will yet believe upon Christ, uh, we have a sure uh, and true uh, and living uh, Savior uh, that we rest under. So that's what we're going to be looking at this Sunday. Really excited to be uh, continuing on in this book. Yeah. Well, uh, this week we get to share with you our interview with Jack and Nancy Shirley, and we had just the blessing of of getting to to hear their story. And um, I think I think for me, you know, they are they are they're faithful people. They're mm-hmm. entering into a, another stage of life. You know, maybe entering into retirement. Yeah. Yet they're 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 looking for the next step in, in obedience yes. and faithful ministry. And uh, it's been it was really encouraging to hear from them. What did you? Take away you know from that's time. that's that's a huge point. You know, it's been a joy to get to know Brett and Anna Shirley uh, a little bit. As the Lord has brought them into our our community here, uh, very uh, you know joyful people. Uh, they're very busy, uh, and and yet the joy of being able that to see the uh, to see Jack and Nancy, the Lord work in their hearts and lives to be able to to enter into retirement, uh, and as we'll hear in Jack's story, how that happened, but that they would come here not with the sense of let's just coast it. But with, come with the mindset of what ministry do you have for us to do? And so the, what a blessing it is to have grandparents to be able to come in and not only help stabilize family and be that extra layer of protection uh, and, and care, but to come into our church fellowship and say, hey, we want to be, you know, uh, we're not retired from, from life. We're not retired from the faith and the local body. We want to be a part. And that's been a joy, exactly what we've seen, even in a hard season of, of COVID. Well, church, you'll enjoy this. Uh, you'll enjoy this this time with them, and uh, we'll see you this Sunday. So, y'all enjoy this interview with with Jack and Nancy. Well, today we're able to be joined uh, by Jack and Nancy Shirley. Y'all, thank you so much for being here and taking time to share with us. Mm, our pleasure. Uh, we wanted to take just a moment to get to know you and allow the church to get to know you a bit. Um, that's kind of what we do with this portion of the, the podcast. We get to know uh, church members and uh, allow the church at large to be able to hear your story and get to know you a little bit. So if you wouldn't mind, Jack, I'd, I'd like to start with you. If you would just share a little bit about how you came to know Christ and uh, a little bit of your, your journey. Well, for me, uh, like a lot of people, I guess I was raised in a Christian family. I had a uh, grandparents that were Christians. I had uh, parents that were Christians, and I grew up in the Baptist church. And it was really uh, kind of a joke at our house that if the doors were open at the church, we were there. Uh, so we went Sunday morning, we went Sunday night, we went Wednesday night. Um, you know, I was in the choir as a young boy. Uh, my mother was a choir member forever. She taught first grade Sunday school forever. My parents uh, taught Sunday school, the college class, a lot. And so it was. Um, it was just for me kind of a natural transition. It seemed like that it was what I knew and what my family knew. 
And as a young boy, I had um, heard um, the gospel so many times, uh, but I remember specifically that I, I went to a, a, a revival, a stadium revival. Huh. Uh, it was at the high school football stadium. And there was a, a visiting evangelist that came into town, and they were having a gigantic revival there in that little town of Jennings, Louisiana. <laughs> and um, they packed the stadium. I mean, literally packed the stadium for this guy. And I was in that stadium, and and I just remember explicitly listening to that guy night after night, talking about you know coming forward and making a decision for Christ. And I really wanted to do that. I really wanted to. to I felt called, uh, and I remember when I finally just made up my mind that I needed to do something that I, that I had to trek across the stadium because I was sitting with a bunch of friends and I wasn't sitting with my parents and I had to go find my parents and ask them if it was okay. Mm-hmm. And I remember that my parents uh, specifically asked me what it was that I was going to do and why I was going to do that. Mm. And after they kind of ran me through a quiz, then they allowed me to go forward and go down on the field with other people and make a profession of faith. Mm. And it was after that, I, I remember uh, the guy that baptized me was a guy named Perry Sanders. And Perry Sanders was uh, ended up being the pastor at First Baptist Church in Lafayette, Louisiana, for mm. years and years and years until he passed away almost. And and um, he was one that baptized me. And it was done later at our church. And, and uh, it was just, it was a meaningful time for me, even though I was a young boy, it impacted my life in, in such a way that I feel like that, um, you know, I, I carried that with me um, all through uh, adolescence and into uh, young adulthood and adulthood. And, and um, Nancy and I have uh, laughed about the fact that I had dated some other girls and things like that. But when I saw Nancy, I knew Nancy was one that God had put in my life, that, <laughs> that, that she was the one I was going to marry. And it was like, it was really interesting how God spoke to me about that and how important that was to me to find a, a, a woman that was a Christian woman. And and uh, and Nancy was that person for me. And so I, it was just a real special time in my life. And, mm-hmm. and um, you know, we've had some uh, ups and downs in like every marriage and like that, but um, I just feel like that God has worked through my life, through my profession as a dentist. Uh, I was... Uh, volunteer missionary for years and years and years to go to the Rio Grande River ministry. And then I got involved with, with the Southern Baptist going to Brazil and then the, to, uh, food for the hungry to Africa. And then for about 12 years, went to Thailand to go do missionary work there. And so it was a big part of my life, but a part of my life, it was almost like, I felt like that I was just kind of sharing that time with God, like, okay, you can have this part of me, but I'm going to keep this part of me hmm. like this. And and I've really enjoyed this latter years that, that, um, fact, this last year and a half here in Nacogdoches has been just great for me because mm. I've been able to just kind of put some of the business out of my life and, and really um, to slow down and, and take time to to ask God, say, what is it that you want me to do in these latter years? And, and so for me, it was that I really found out that I, he didn't have a plan for me as far as an activity and more along the lines he had for me was that it was a time that I could get to know my Savior even better. Hmm. And so I've really been able to spend a lot of time uh, just reading Christian literature, uh, Bible study, um, prayer, uh, and it's just been amazing how important that's become in my life. I think a lot of people here in this church have been important to me already in, in just a short time I've been here. Hmm. Uh, Gene Cagle's been a great influence in my life uh, as far as getting to know the Lord. Uh, Tony Weir, um, Rick Hurst. I mean, I just... there's. 
just some some men in this church that I've just feel like have been fantastic, and and I feel like the staff at the church is is really just been great in the sense that I feel um, just feel real called to be here and to be mm-hmm. at Grace. It's been real good for me. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. tremendous. So y'all have been married for is it fifteen years? Coming up on fifteen years. That's it. <laughs> Nancy, tell us and tell us how you uh, came to know the Lord, and then how y'all came together. Your perception of that as well as Jack's over here is telling us that hey, it's very clear that you were the one uh, that he was going to pursue and marry. Uh, so I'd love to hear uh, your story there uh, in that way. So I grew up in San Antonio in a home that was a church-going home and faithful to go. Um, my uh, ex- It was a Methodist church, and so I was confirmed as a you know, what, 10 or 11-year-old, and remember going to Mrs. Moffitt's confirmation class and learning about the target, that sin is missing the target. Mm. I don't know why I I remember that. Um, And honestly, just always had a draw to the things of God. Um, My mother set up the communion every time we had it, and I would go with her and help with that. I, too, sang in the choir and um, was part of um, the youth fellowship there. But it's it's interesting because in high school, I got on the outs with some of the girls at church and didn't want to go to that church. And so I would get on the bus and go to downtown San Antonio to a church downtown by myself. And um, so when I went to college, there were some girls there that were just amazing Christians. And they were fun. They were smart. They loved the Lord. And all of that just really appealed to me. I continued to go to church in college. I had to bum rides because I didn't have a car. I was at Texas Tech. And um, so... I guess before college, though, I had gone to a youth revival. Interestingly enough, I was not in a stadium. It was in a church. But um, heard the gospel, and I really looked to that as a time when I understood what Jesus did for me, Hmm. that I was a sinner, my relationship with God was not intact, and that Jesus died for me. And so... um, a friend and I were there together, and we both went and we got Bibles, and we sat down with a woman that explained the gospel. And um, I, I look back, and what I, one of the things I love about my upbringing is that my parents let me go to church with other people. So even though I was a Methodist, I went to the Presbyterian Church, I went to Presbyterian camp, I went to the Baptist Vacation Bible School, and so I had this appreciation, I guess you'd Mm. say, for just various denominations and saw good in Mm -hmm. a lot of them. So anyway, um, in college, I I mean, there were some good decisions and there were some bad decisions. (laughs) Um, But Jack and I met after my my freshman year in college. And at the time, he was an assistant tennis pro at the country club there in San Antonio, working with his brother, who was the tennis pro. I was working at the swimming pool, and um, so we met that summer, and um, there were just a lot of kids that worked together, and we had just a fun time, and both Jack and I look back on that as so fun. We went canoeing every weekend. We were with these other kids, and it was just, it was really fun, and at that point, um, I mean, I 
was in a sort of serious relationship. And when I met Jack, um, I just realized, okay, this, he was unique and way more mature than anybody else I'd ever dated and smart and loved the Lord. And there were spiritual things we talked about. And so all of that really um, was what helped me fall in love with him. And so by the next summer, we were married. Um, I finished my degree in San Antonio, because that's where we were, and um, taught school for a few years. And then um, our daughter, Brooke, was born. We have two kids, and a son and a daughter. Um, and so have just been involved in some really great churches in San Antonio and gotten to do some amazing things. Uh, for me, I was invited to Bible study fellowship uh, early on in my young teaching career, and it was there that I learned about the Holy Spirit for the first time, mm-hmm. uh, not the Holy Ghost, and it was <laughs> kind of creepy, but the Holy Spirit who indwelled. And so that was new information to me and was really life-changing at that point. Mm. Um, and of course, being a, studying the Bible seriously changes you, and so I loved doing that. Mm. And um, I did that for a number of years under Bible Study Fellowship and ended up... Um, teaching one of the classes in San Antonio, which was such a privilege, and then just involved in different ministries. I was a stay-at-home mom at that time, and so I got to do a lot of different things. I was involved with Young Life, with Young Lives, their ministry to teen moms. I worked at one of the Christian assistant ministries there in San Antonio, and, um, you know, I was just real involved in vacation Bible schools and all that at church. And so um, all of those things, I feel like, have they've really made me who I am as a Christian. I think about, I know the books of the Bible because of Vacation Bible School, (laughs) you know, just little things like that. Um, And like Jack, um, coming here was such a change for us, but we're here because our son and daughter-in-law are here and the grandchildren are here, and we felt like, hey, we want to be there while while the the grandchildren are little. We want to be a part of their lives, so... We're, um, like Jack said, we've been just warmly em- embraced by the people at Grace and are so thankful for how we already feel very much at home in a short amount of time. That's great. You know, love, love Brett and Anna. Uh, they're great. But your, your, your story of making a decision to move here in a place where you didn't have really a friend network. I mean, there's a few folks I know you knew, the Kennedys and some others, but really you, you chose to relocate a lot of where you did life and ministry and career and came to a new place in, in part to be a, uh, a witness and a stabilizing part of being able to impact your, your kids and your uh, grandkids here kind of later on. So really maybe I think in our culture, there's an idea of retirement. When I retire or get to that age, then I can kind of turn it off. And yet you all have simply shifted the mission field and the, the calling that God's having you and bringing you here to East Texas and Nacogdoches. What are some things maybe that you've learned along the way in this transition uh, and, and maybe that you would encourage perhaps people in our congregation that are within 10 years of that of trying to think through either a relocation or what does life look like for me after I re- uh, retire or when I retire? Uh, what is some wisdom maybe that you would share in that way? Well, for me, um, it was, I, I mean, it's almost like I, I was able to turn off uh, uh, the world. I know that sounds like a crazy way to say that, but it was like I was so involved with um, a profession as a dentist 
that I had to run a practice. I had people I was responsible for. I had bills to pay, all those kind of things. And, and so uh, getting to retire really before I wanted to, it was really a physical reason. I had back problems mm. and, the, and the guy told me I needed to quit. So I, we just had to quit. And so uh, it was kind of a, a, a scary thing at first to think that's what's going to happen. And so I really had to just turn that over to God and just say, if this is what you're it's seeing from this time in my life, and that's with it's going to be. But I told Nancy, I said, you know, I really don't want to go to Nacogdoches and just kind of sit on the sideline. Hmm. That's not really what I see God has for me, that I really want to uh, seek out uh, Christian men and try to find associations that way. I told her, I said, I was going to join Bible Study Fellowship up here because I said, how else am I going to get to know Christian men in this community if I don't get involved with something? And I really wanted to be actively involved in the church in as many ways mm-hmm. as I possibly could because yeah. I felt like this is the way I was going to gain friends and Christian mm-hmm. friends and, and support. And so to me, it's really, I feel like, been very freeing in a way because of the fact that uh, I have time to um, bug you about things and, <laughs> and, and uh, <laughs> I have time to be part of the church. And, and it's like God's given me all this free time to be able to do things. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, I had just kind of dug in and thought I've missed a lot of time of being able to do as much study as I wanted to. And I naturally am a learner and I want to learn. And so I've just thought, okay, well, I can really grow in my own faith and grow in my closeness to God and uh, grow in my knowledge of God. And and I I thought it was interesting because you said, remember, I said first Peter, Mm -hmm. that scripture in one of those, you know, attributes was the second one I think down was knowledge. Yeah, yeah. And I I thought, well, this is just like so key to my growth right here is this knowledge part is so important. And so I've looked at that end of it as real important. Um, And and I just can't tell you, Gene Cagle, I know that I brought his name earlier, but Gene has been just a big part of it for me because he's embraced me as a friend, but also because of um, his leadership skills and and pulling us into a small group. And Mm. it wasn't like, uh, would y'all like to come join the small group? It was almost (laughs) like, where are y'all? Why aren't you here? You know, and just like we were like, (laughs) good news for you. You're in my small group. That's right. Exactly. (laughs) Which is awesome. We didn't sign up. We were just in it. That's awesome. That's exactly (laughs) it. And and so uh, that was huge for us, though, because they were so embracing. And and, um, I really saw the significance in how quickly that group pulled us in and, and befriended us hmm. and it, it made it like the church for us. And, yeah. and, and so that was really, really good for, for Nancy and I both. And we've gotten to talk a lot about that. And we knew too, that we wanted to come here and really be, we didn't want our grandkids to grow up without some, you know, make sure that our kids were doing it right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to grandparents. Sure, I'm sure Brett and Anna would love to hear that. But uh, <laughs> I, I really felt like that we wanted to be a, as much of a Christian influence as we possibly mm-hmm. could for those kids. That's great. How would you edit that? Yeah, well, um, I'm a bit introverted, and Jack gave me this pep talk before we moved. <laughs> Nancy, you're going to have to be friendly. And um, <laughs> But for me, Christy Hurst called me before we even moved here, and she's mm. like, Jack had been here working, helping with the house, and she's like, when are you coming? And um, we talked for a long time, and then once I got here, you know, um, Cynthia Knowles took me out to lunch, and mm. Nancy Cagle took me out to lunch, and just mm. I, I really am humbled by that because I've known a lot of people have, who have moved to town, and I just didn't even think how hard that was 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's hard. Yeah. And um, so they were just so kind to uh, reassure me and listen to me and, and be a friend. But for me, I knew, too, that it, it was up to me. And so I quickly joined the Women's Bible Study mm-hmm. and, you know, met people there, loved being in that environment. I quickly joined that FFE and have loved the women that I'm with in there. And mm-hmm. so it takes effort. I mean, people can be kind, which is great. And mm-hmm. we should all reach out to the people that are new or that are on the fringe. Right. But it also requires some effort on your part mm-hmm. to be willing to be included and to take that deep breath and walk into that room. And mm. and I know that's harder for some than it is for others, but it's really necessary if you're going to be a part of something. Yeah. You know, so much of that, that, that brings to mind the fact that y'all have been here really half the time you've been here, COVID has been a thing. Yeah. And that's, uh, which is a built-in, uh, careful of my language, everybody listening to this with total grace, but it, it can be an opportunity for an excuse to hide. It mm. can be an opportunity for to be able to, to just not be around people. And, right. and I imagine even after this, all this COVID stuff clears up, uh, Lord willing, I think that those kind of habits of people being isolated, I think can, are only going to probably increase, I would think. And mm. so your statement there of the intentionality to say it takes effort to lean in. And even if it's more natural for my husband than, than it is necessarily for me, I want to be able to give the effort to be able to pursue people. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's it, tremendous. You know, I would... I would agree with you totally, but I really, I really do believe that um, there's something special about this church because of the fact that um, I see the ministry that you guys have and what you do with the coaching staff over at SFA. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see the men's group where they meet on Tuesdays, the first Tuesday, and um, and just the, the the intentionality, as you said, of men wanting to get up and share their testimony and um, all that is 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 just a. a a wonderful ministry that you have going here. And I, it, for me, I just gyrated towards that because of the fact that everybody was so, uh, welcoming and so accepting. And, um, so it, it, uh, it works on both sides. I think that the church does a great job of it. And I think if you want to be part of it, then y'all make it easy. And I will say, I appreciate all that y'all have put in place to help it be safe on Sunday mornings. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we stayed home for a while, sure. and then we came, and of course, we come to that early service, which I'm assuming is not as well attended as the later one. Right. But you know, people are respectful of your space. They mm-hmm. pay attention to where you're supposed to sit and where you're not. They mm-hmm. wear their masks, and so all of that helps it feel like. It's okay to be here. Mm-hmm. That's excellent. Well, that's so helpful. You know, I, I just can't help but in my mind just think about the reality that people are worth a walk across the room. Mm-hmm. And whether they, whether they look like us, that, that was a component that was <clears throat> an answer to prayer for Sarah and I when we moved here was a church that wanted to be multi-generational. You had a church that very intentionally, even in 19, you know, before 1950, had relocated to this campus or by 1950, re- relocated here to be an intentional witness to the campus. Uh, and the professors and students as well. And I think that that heart that uh, that the Spirit led in Grace Bible doing that many years ago, that's still here. Mm-hmm. And that, But that desire of, it doesn't matter if they look just like me or they're in my age bracket or whatever it is, that person 
uh, is loved by God and is worth taking a walk across the room. Mm-hmm. And I, I just want to thank you all uh, for giving your time to be able to, to come on and, and to kind of close the gap a little bit more with, with our congregation that people will be able to recognize you and, and take a walk across the room to meet you all. But I see you, you all always are, are quick to be able to talk to people and engage with people. That's an awesome thing. And so thank you for being a part of this. Our pleasure.